0: Life is tough, right? Sid and I just finished a week of Camp KK and Big Sid, and that's probably our seventh year to do it. Now we have four grandchildren. Um, Three of them went with us. Theo's a bit too young. But for those of you who might be around our age, this is sacrifice. This is really work, and it's a lot of sacrifice. And we just come back, and we just are so thankful for parents, and we just pray for you guys while we go back to our home with no children and sleep. <laughs> but it is good to be back here. It was fun to be at the lake with them this week, getting up early in the morning and spending time on the sermon uh, just in the presence of God, and God has put on my heart um, just something that that I just want to share with you tonight. Um, I spoke a few weeks ago. Uh, you might have been here were any of y 'all here when i the last time that I preached, do you recall and I spoke about hope, and I have to tell you that that sermon was for me, and y'all just got to hear it, but I was preaching to myself. Uh, The message was about hope, and what is hope? Well, hope is belief, but it's more than belief. It's conviction, and it's more than conviction. It's confidence. It's confidence that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do, right? Right? And and that was especially important to me uh, because I had just found out that I had breast cancer. I was facing surgery just a few days away from that and 10 treatments of radiation. And for me, I needed that sermon. What I had not planned on doing when I spoke to you a few weeks ago is to share that information with you. Um, I thought I could get through the sermon and keep composure and emotions within, and I have to, and, and the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I want you to know how God works, and while I was up here in the midst of the message, I felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't just a nudge. I really felt these words on my heart, and that is, Kathy. I want you to share with these people who are your tribe. You are my community. I want you to share with them your news, and I want you to do it now, and I've got your back. And while I was speaking, because, you know, as as pastors, we're reading you guys. We're looking around, seeing who's asleep, who needs to, to stand up or go to the bathroom. Uh, but we're also listening to the Holy Spirit. And it's important to be able to do that. And it's important to be able to listen and obey. And so, guys, I was very vulnerable. But at that time, I totally didn't think twice about it. I shared the news with you, and I'm so glad I did. Uh, Many, you as a whole community reached out to Sid and I, you covered us with prayers, and we felt those warm prayers over us as God guided us. And within six weeks, we had had mammogram, breast surgery, and 10 treatments of radiation. And I totally contribute that to the prayers of His people. I also learned a great deal during those six weeks. Because I really, to be totally honest with you, I didn't want to tell anybody about this because I felt like I, I just didn't want to mess with it. I didn't want to mess with all the emotions that come up. And I just, as, as we were home and, and the first few days we did not share with anybody but our two children and their spouses, but I kept thinking, well, maybe it's not so bad Maybe we can just go ahead and get through this stuff, and I just really won't have to mention it. That's human, right? That's how we're made. The flesh reacts. And I thought it was so interesting that God prompted me to share with you because I never would have known His goodness if I hadn't shared with you. And so... I identify with a lot of you who have gone through very difficult circumstances, whether you have lost relationships, whether there's been divorce, uh, whether there's been an illness in your family or a loss of family, whether it's loneliness or depression, we all experience that humanness of reacting to our circumstances. And at times, at times we just get very paralyzed. We just want to hold it all in because we think we're safe. And and it's a natural tendency to pull back. Even as Christians, from the Christian community, we want to hold back because we think that's a safer place. But I just want to share a little bit with you this this evening uh, that that's not what God intended. Right? God intends for us to live this life the best that we can live it. And he has surrounded us with community. He has surrounded us with brothers and sisters who are on this path together living the life for Jesus for a reason. And that is, even when we rejoice at something good that's happened, that we can all cry together once we receive bad news. And so, um, I want to ask Amanda Stone if she'll come up and read our scripture for today, which comes from Hebrews 11. It's known as the cloud of witnesses. And... um, we, it, this is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, and I have preached on it before. And if you were there several years ago when I did, I hope that you will hear something tonight that you will also take home. Amanda? Hebrews
1: 11, 1 through 25. Now faith is confidence in what we have, have hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were condemned for, commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made for out of what was visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith. anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he was condemned the world and because heir of his right, the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, as he is good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have stopped opportunity to return instead they were longing for a better country a heavenly one therefore god is not ashamed to be called their god for he has prepared a city for them by faith abraham when god tested him offered isaac as a sacrifice he had embraced the promise who was about to sacrifice his one and only son even though your offspring will be reckoned abraham responded reasoned that god could even raise The dead, and so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin." This is the word of God for the people of God,
0: and we say, thanks be to God. Thank you, Amanda. It was pretty interesting that night when I shared with you guys, um, Amanda Stone and also Sherry Brown came up to me after the service, as many of you did, but those two in particular have had their own struggles with cancer, and uh, Amanda's story is one that is just a miracle, and... I thought it was so interesting that I was invited into this circle now of people who have been through the experience who could actually reach out and help me. I thought Amanda's comments to me that night were really interesting. I said, tell me, how'd you get through this? And she goes, laugh. And I'm like, okay, laugh? And she goes, just keep laughing. And, and I went away thinking, well, that's kind of interesting. And then over the next few days and few weeks, whenever she thought about it, she would send me a little cartoon to laugh at. And I started laughing, and I realized how important it is that even though situations are so serious and seem so dark that we still have that side to us to laugh. Sherry Brown, also having gone through her experience with cancer, was such an encouragement, as of all of you. Just at the time when I needed it most, a text or an email or a card would come in, and I knew you guys were there for me. I tell you this not to tell you about my story, but to tell you about God's story in dealing with his people, how he cares for them. So we look at this chapter in the Bible that talks about all these people by faith, and we know a lot of these people and the struggles that they had. Why in the world is this chapter in there? It's kind of like our Creator knew that someday we were going to be going through struggles of our own and we needed some kind of help. We needed to be able to look back and see. oh, yeah, I'm not the only one who's having a problem here. Look at all these people and how God in his infinite wisdom and design has woven us into this great story of the Bible and how he wants to protect us and provide for us as we live even though our lives encounter very difficult times. Amen? Amen. Amen. Are you awake? Oh, yeah. I see those heads moving now. Uh, but, But how exciting it is to know personally a God who loves us so much that he cares about every situation that we go through, right? Yeah, and then to be able to go back and read about these people by faith That was the ongoing theme, right? By faith, this person finished the race. By faith, this person finished the race, regardless of what they were going through. I just absolutely love that scripture. And we as Christians need other Christians to believe in us, especially during certain times. To reach out, to encourage us, to remind us that God is with us. And it's so simple. We know these things up here, right? I mean, we know we love God. We know God provides. We remember all the lessons that we've learned from Sunday school and Bible study. And yet, when we find ourselves in the middle of something, we're like, okay, where is he? And all those things seem to be erased out of our mind. And so it's great when we can we as Christian brothers and sisters can step into somebody else's life and speak truth to that person. God is present with you. You may not feel it. You may not feel his presence. You may not see him. You may not be hearing him, but he is there. And we are standing in the gap when people don't know how to pray. In certain situations, the Bible talks about we are called as Christians to stand in the gap, to lift that brother or sister up in prayer. Pray for them when they don't know how to pray. And and I just feel like God put this on my heart tonight to talk about because so many of us have been going through some very difficult situations. Let me add to the verses that Amanda read, um, and I think we have a slide for this one from Hebrews, Hebrews 2. Um, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. We are reminded that... We need to go back. The Bible is not meant to read one time. Check it off your list that you've read the whole Bible through. It is our life, our life guide, our resource. We are called to read over and over daily, putting in the the truths of Jesus Christ, how God's plan of redemption was for all peoples in the world. We need to constantly... Uh, immerse ourselves. We need to preach the resurrection to ourselves each and every day. Just think about if we really did that. If if we really, I mean, we've finished Easter and the 50 days following Easter, but if we really every day thought about just what sacrifice Jesus Christ made for ourselves, how different would that make that day? But we become so distracted with our culture and with our society that we lose that. And that's why we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. And so tonight, I entitled this, Do You Hear Them? Do you hear those witnesses who are talking to you? Do you hear them? Can you see them? You can go back in the Bible and read, but there are much more witnesses than mentioned in chapter 11. And those having gone before us, and we're going to look at some of those people tonight, those people are there. It's kind of like being in a race, and and you need maybe a marathon. I wouldn't do marathons, Bud, but, but maybe a real short race, but... I am huffing and puffing, and I don't think that I can get through it. In fact, I'm hurting really bad. How is it that these witnesses gather together on the sidelines of that racetrack, and they are encouraging me? They even brought their pom-poms and their megaphones, and they're yelling at me, hey, you can do this, you can get through this race. How much more encouraged am I going to be to be able to finish strong, to be able to finish in our faith. Okay, you getting the drift? And so there's another verse. Um, Where'd it go? Put it up there. Okay, Hebrews 12, 12 through 13. Let let me preface this by saying that uh, originally this text was written... For Christian Jews who were on, who were trying to live a Christian life as a Jew, and they needed a fresh word from God. And many of us today, all of us today, need a fresh word from God, whether we are going through a difficult situation, or whether we have just gotten stagnant in our faith. And so um, the writer talks about our broken lives, but also about our spiritual lives in this particular verse Hebrews 12 12 and 13 strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your fit the feet now listen to this last line so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed I love that verse because God is all about healing us. So here's the point of this whole chapter. Don't drift. Don't neglect. Don't be sluggish. Don't take your salvation for granted, which is so easy to do in our culture. But endure, persevere, run, fight, be alert, be strengthened. Fight the good fight. Finish strong in your faith on the foundation of Christ's spectacular death and resurrection. God is equipping us to be the best that we can be in this life. He never intended for us to go the race alone. And so in my house, wanting to go through what I went through by myself was totally opposite of what God intended. But that is what we feel like doing, right? I really wanted to take care of my cancer without anybody knowing about it, but that's not God's way. When something gives us a jolt in life, God is encouraging us with witnesses that have gone on before us Hebrews. But in our own community, there are witnesses. God says that we need lots of cheerleaders, those people who come and just encourage us and, and, and have experienced maybe the same things that we are experiencing at the time. Friends, I am so amazed at this God that we worship. He has taken so much detail to ensure that we are taken care of this life. He's amazing. The older I get, the more I don't realize about God. Going through this six weeks um, of having cancer and, and having to deal with things like what if they don't get it all? Um, going through that has grown me so much spiritually. There is an article that um, John Piper wrote called um, Don't Waste Your Cancer. And Sid, Sid had cancer about five years ago and somebody gave him this article and he kept following me around the house saying, I want you to read this article. And I'm like, I will, I will, I will. And finally, one day at breakfast, he brought his phone in. He had it recorded and he said, well, you're fixing breakfast, here you go. And so I listened to it. And then I started reading it. I downloaded it. I started reading it every day. Don't waste your cancer. What does that even mean? What? Don't waste this opportunity to give God glory. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God is there. God gets the glory for, for you and for your situation. It's not about me. It wasn't about me having cancer. It's all about God and God's story. And if I can be a representative of God Almighty, then let me be that. Let me not be pulled down with all these flesh ideas. Let me go deep into the spiritual, into the soul to be able to pull up what God has transformed in my whole life. Right? Right? Are you getting it? We've we've got to use these things for each other and for God's purpose. Um, Oh, It's just, I I should have shared that with you some time ago. I need to make a copy of that. I know everybody probably knows somebody with cancer, um, and it's a great, great, thank you, Sid, for sharing that with me. But I want to do something a little bit different this evening. I want to talk about some of the witnesses that are not in chapter 11. Um, I just want to uh, bring to mind those people. So I have asked some people out there, uh, you guys have a picture, and when you hear that person's name, if you would just sit and hold it up while I read about that person, and then you can put it back down. St. Augustine lived in a monastic community for 34 years, born to a pagan father and a devoted mother at 16 years of age. He left home to complete his education in law. A brilliant man, he turned against his Christian faith, only to return to it years later. He was known for his vast number of books, for his eloquence, his logic, and his spiritual passion. He taught us about complete surrender. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is remembered as one of the most important Christian thinkers of the 20th century, Born in Ireland, he taught medieval literature, and in 1931, he was surprised by hope, which is his own description of his conversion into Christianity. A brilliant scholar and writer, Lewis used his talents to reach thousands through his printed word. He wrote the screw-tape letters, and he gave us the book, Mere Christianity— a penetrating work on Christian apologetics. He taught us all about giving all to Christ. Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee was a great leader. He lived a life of abandonment and faith that few knew. He led a dynamic movement known as the Little Flock, an effort to reach the in, in indigenous Chinese it flourished in the 30s and 40s with large gatherings of thousands of people in Shanghai and elsewhere. In 1952, Watchman was arrested by the Chinese communist government and was sentenced to 15 years of prison. The 15 years turned into 20 years, and while serving his term, he died in a country of persecution and attempts to destroy the Christian church in China, it is hard to ignore the life and work of a single man devoted totally to God's work. He taught us about evangelism. Julian of Norwich. She is the most popular of the English mystics. She lived as a Benedictine nun in Norwich. Her book, called Revelations of Divine Love, entitled her to become the first great female writer in the English language. She was well-trained in the Bible as well as the teachings of the church. Her theology is based on her mystical experiences. She became seriously ill at 30, and in the midst of her sufferings, she prayed for a vision of Christ's passion. Once in a prayer, Julian heard the words, I am the foundation of your praying, words that greatly influenced her spiritual life. She always pointed to the goodness and love of God, a light in a time of darkness. She taught us the highest form of prayer. Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael was born in Northern Ireland, but spent most of her life as a missionary in Asia. She became a Christian early in life and developed a passion for social injustice. At the ripe old age of 17 years old, she was leading a Sunday school class for girls who were born into poverty. The class swelled to over 500 members. By the age of 24, she felt called to the mission field. She started in Japan, but was ill and had to return to England. She then left for India, where she helped found a major healing and training center. After a fall, Amy was an invalid for the rest of her life. She wrote extensively and became immersed in the work to save children who were dedicated to temple gods by marriage ceremonies. Today, we would call that human trafficking. Amy taught us about being on mission with God. She shows us the beauty found in if we are willing to step out of our comfort zone and join God's mission. Martin Luther is best known as the father of the Protestant Reformation. Born into a peasant family in Germany, Luther sought to better himself by becoming a scholar. After spending time in a monastery, he felt called to priesthood and was a professor in a university. It was there he taught Paul's letter to the Romans, and it shaped his theological thinking, especially concerning salvation. In 1517, he composed the famous 95 Theses, registering the complaints about the Roman Catholic Church and nailed them to the door of the church. It began the Protestant movement. Luther taught us to have a voice against injustice. Dorothy Day served the poor tirelessly in New York City. Pope Francis described Dorothy Day by stating her social activism, her passion for justice and for the cause of the oppressed, were inspired by the gospel, her faith, and the example of the saints. In particular, the Holy Father noted her concern for the poor and how this struggle to live out the gospel message continues to this day. Dorothy Day taught us how to live out the mission for God. Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc is a French heroine. And Roman Catholic saint, born in obscurity to a peasant family, she traveled to the uncrowned Dauphin of France, advising him to reclaim his French throne and defeat the English. Joan of Arc was sent alongside French troops to the siege of Orleans and rose to prominence after the siege was lifted after nine days. She was later captured and burned at the stake. For her, for her actions, however, as she predicted, seven years after her death, France was united with the English, defeated, and Charles crowned king. Joan of Arc taught us to listen closely to God, even when it takes you into danger. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was born into a family of seven children. He grew up in Berlin. He received his doctorate. At 21 years of age, he began teaching at the Union Theological Seminary in New York. He became familiar with American Christianity, and his popularity as a teacher and writer uh, grew as he returned to his homeland of Germany. He delivered a radio broadcast denouncing the German public for its obedience to Hitler. He was arrested later and sent to prison and convicted of being in a plot to assassinate Hitler. He was hanged. He demonstrated for us the cost of discipleship. Nicholas Herman, known to us as Brother Lawrence, was born into a, a poor family in France. He later became a soldier and a household servant He never received any formal uh, education, and yet he left behind one of the classic memoirs of his devoted life. In his own life, he was determined to live out each moment in the presence of God. So working in a kitchen day in and day out, he was a servant of the servants of God. In this humble joy, he left us the model of a devoted and a habitual sense of God's presence. John Wesley was one of 19 children. You got me right 19 children to the same mom and dad. John was ordained a minister, and he and a group of friends banded together to encourage one another to live a holy life. We probably would call that a discipleship group today. Their approach to holiness led others to refer to them as Methodists because they used a method. Wesley experienced uh, an, in, an encouragement from God and began an unusual preaching ministry, and that was to the common folks in the English hillside. He had a dramatic impact on England and America. As many Methodist practices preachers crisscrossed the frontier with his message. John Wesley taught us how to love one another and to live in holiness. St. Peter, the apostle, was the leader of the original 12 disciples. He was a Jewish fisherman, and he received from Jesus the name Cephas, meaning the rock. Jesus built his church upon the rock, and Peter was instrumental in starting them. He was noted as a leader, outspoken and bold. He teaches us that even though we fail, we continue to turn to Jesus, the master. I ask now, if you have a picture of someone, would you stand and hold up your picture? So I want you to take a look. We are surrounded by the cloud of witnesses, not just from the ones mentioned in Hebrews 11, but also by the ones who have gone before us. Even in our own lives, we have our own cloud of witnesses. At least I hope you do. All of these witnesses are helping us, believers who are trying hard to live out this Christian life. They are gathered up along the sidelines as we go and run our race. They can say, lay your weights down by faith, the assurance of who Jesus is. You can finish this race. They are all saying, I can do it, and I know you can do it. And the message from them tonight is to run, run the race of faith. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to leave you with one verse. Deuteronomy 1, 29 through 31. I just really feel like the bulk of this message is in this for you tonight. Then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you, Will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt, before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries a son all the way you went until you reached this place. Friends, this is the kind of God that we love and serve. God gives us peace. When we experience storms and darkness. Would you pray with me? God Almighty, we are in awe of you. There is nothing you haven't thought of. You know that we all experience life, the good and the bad. And you know that we sometimes feel weary and tired and want to give up. So Lord, would you... Help us to hear the cloud of witnesses that have gone before us, living their lives to the full faith. And here we are again, encouraging us to finish strong. Thank you for loving us, for teaching us your truths. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you all would please rise and receive the benediction. No matter how frightening the world may become, no matter how frightening the individual circumstances
1: of your life may be today or may become tomorrow, you need not be afraid, for God is with you.
0: God goes before you to guide you, beside you to be your best friend, behind you to protect you, beneath you to support you, and above you to give you vision and courage and hope. If you'll remember that, then the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding will be with you too. Walk in peace and love.